Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience podcast with Jeanette Lissette. Thought leaders explore the mindset, wellness, and wealth needed to realize next level transformation. Let's get started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Lissette, and today's guest is Cherie L. Prince. Cherie is an attorney and an asset protection coach who teaches entrepreneurs how to merge their business plan and with their estate plan to create a moat around their assets. I absolutely love that. For over a decade, she has taught, led, and counseled entrepreneurs at every phase of their business. Sharia has the keen ability to deliver original and useful tools in a dynamic and very engaging way. She's bringing to you in asset protection, all of her experience, as well as estate planning and business planning. Cherie, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Let me ask you this question so that we can frame what our conversation is going to be about. If you took the full body of the work you do and had to summarize the mission that you are on, why does it matter and how would you go about doing that? It matters because I really believe in legacy planning. I believe that every person, if you're on earth, you leave a blueprint or an imprint. What does your imprint look like? What do you leave that the next generation or the next phase of business, what does it look like? So I would hope that through the work that I do, more people will be aware that you do have an imprint that you leave either voluntarily or involuntarily. And there is a way that you affect life during your time here. So I would hope that when people look back or people that have worked with me, they feel that I've helped improve the visibility of their imprint. I can appreciate that because there's a lot of talk about legacy building. Of course, there's a lot that goes into building that legacy. This conversation is not going to be so much about that, but um, I do believe that there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are at the very beginning of their journey who really should put things in place so that they can build a foundation that they can build their legacy on. So I think this is a very appropriate conversation. Let's talk a little bit about your background so people get where you came from and what put you on this path. I'm a country girl. For as long as I can remember growing up, my mom had been sick and she was a single mom. Who thinks at 36 years old, you're going to be in a nursing home and you have two minor kids, no life insurance, no long-term care insurance, no designation of guardian for me and my brother. So when she passed away, we bounced around from relative to relative's house. And at one point we went to go live with her parents, 150 plus acre farm. It was a great place to be. It really was. There was a lot of love there. Those were my grandparents. And when they passed away, they still had this 150 acre farm. Now they had five children. My mom had already passed. So her stake in their state passed to my brother and I. And it was just a very turbulent time because I'm dealing with my uncle and my aunts. And you have a couple of people who feel that things should go one way. But the thing that I tell people is that whether you have a will or trust, and my grandparents had neither, the state that you live in already has a plan for what happens to your assets if you do not have a plan. Regardless of the fact that my grandparents did not have a will or a trust, the state already dictates who gets what and in what percentage. And so there was an ugly fight about the division of the property. And that was the first step in my journey to doing what I do, because I thought about it. I'm like, my family cannot be the only family that deals with issues like this. At that time, I was not an attorney. We had to pay an attorney to probate those estates and to work out the issues. And so, yeah, that was the very first step. Now, when you went for your undergraduate degree, what did you have in mind in terms of the outcome of that or what it was going to do for you? What were you thinking at that age? My mother passed away my 10th grade year in May. 
And the only thing that I can think about was I got to take care of my little brother. I actually skipped a year, graduated a year early. I went from 10th grade to 12th, graduated. And my initial focus, because my grandparents were still alive then, was to just go get education and take care of my little brother. And that was the very first thing that I thought about, because at that point, we still had not had the division in the family. It wasn't until I was in college that my grandfather passed away first. And a few years later, my grandmother passed away. Wow. Okay. So you complete that leg. Now you decide at some point that you are going to move on to get this MBA. Yes. When I was younger, I thought I wanted to be an attorney. I used to watch, I don't want to date myself too much, but Adlock and Perry Mason. And I had this notebook that I carry around and I take notes on what I saw in the episodes. So I had a feeling that I wanted to be an attorney, but I really was trying to go and work and make money to take care of my little brother and myself. And my grandparents did a great job. I'm taking nothing from them, but I just felt like it was my responsibility because we were really close growing up. So I decided instead of going straight to law school, I'm going to go and get an MBA because I figured I can do that. I can work longer hours. Law school really required a full-time commitment. They didn't want you to work as much. And so the MBA was the next thing that I went and got. And it helped out a lot. I gained a lot of useful tools from the MBA. It wasn't until I got into real estate and then the mortgage industry and I had a some failed businesses with the 0708 mortgage debacle that I decided to go to law school. And that really put the top on my legal education and gave me the background that I needed to really help people the way that I do today. That's amazing. In your bio, you say that asset protection is not just a financial strategy, it's a personal mission. I read that and I thought, interesting. From the standpoint of when you think about asset protection, most people would think an umbrella policy for personal liability, a solid auto insurance plan, okay, your homeowner's insurance and things of that nature to protect you from the unfortunate things that can happen when people come against you or try to take your assets. I think most people get that. So when you say that it's not just a financial strategy, it's a personal mission, let's take it further now so we can better understand the space that you actually are in. One of the questions that I get is, are you a financial advisor? Not a financial advisor at all. People think that I have to be wealthy. I have to have a lot of money or a lot of property for asset protection. But no, I help you build a moat around any assets that you have. And I'm going to take you back a little bit further. So I remember as a child, before I lived with my grandparents, I would go visit in the summer times. And my great-grandfather, my grandmother's father, was still alive. He was 104 when he passed away. The plantation that his parents lived on, they were slaves, was a little bit further down the road from where he lived as a free adult. He was the youngest of 40 children. His father was a stud. I was really blessed he was alive until I was in my teens. So I was able to actually talk to him and have conversations. And in hindsight, I really did not value those as much as I should have because it was such a blessing to be there with him. But the point that I'm trying to make is as a free man, some of the property that my grandparents had, my grandmother inherited from him. So by the time she and my grandfather got together, they had inherited property. Then they purchased property together. That was the 150 plus acres. So when I talk about asset protection, One thing that I know my grandparents wanted was to always have that property in the family. Fast forward, they passed away. We had the big family debacle. I had an aunt who lost her inheritance. She lost part of that property. So when I talk to people, it it may be that you are cash poor during your lifetime, but you may have assets. How important is it for those assets to stay in your family? Do you want the 50 acres of land that you're 
parents and grandparents told to be part of a marital dissolution agreement if one of your children has a divorce? What if I can show you a simple way to keep that property in the family or to keep that property from going to your son's first and second wife? There are some very simple things you can do to preserve your legacy. So when I talk about legacy, it's not always mo about money. It's about keeping what you have in that family. That's part of it. Insurance, maybe 20%. That's the first thing that our mind goes to, but it's not always insurance. There are trusts. There are certain covenants you can put in deeds, restrictions you can put on your land that protect you. And then just simple things that will keep you notified about tax notices. Because once you get to the second and third and fourth generation of ownership, if you're not paying taxes, you lose the property at a tax sale. If you're not maintaining the property, you can't get property insurance. So if the property burns down, nobody's going to rebuild it because you may be cash poor, but you have property. So when I think about asset protection, I try to get people to see that it's not just about money. That's the legacy portion. That's the legacy portion. I like the analogy of putting that moat around your assets. I clearly understand that. For entrepreneurs, no matter where they are on the spectrum, beginning, middle, or towards really breaking out, let's just say, I would think that your Blueprints webinar on asset protection would be something that would be of interest to them. Let's talk a little bit about that. One of the main objections, I don't have enough money to pay somebody to do an estate plan. I don't have enough assets or I don't know where to start. So with the asset protection blueprint, you literally come in, you get an idea for what your estate looks like. I show you how you can do it yourself in terms of starting out with your own estate plan. We can map that out. Then I have some special things, some gifts that I give you just for showing up where you can actually use AI to get started on an estate plan or at least a plan that you can take to your money team. And your money team or your asset protection team, you have maybe your attorney, your banker, your insurance agent, your CPA, your tax advisor, preparer or planner. So whoever's on your money team, I show you how to get your documents together and even the questions to ask. Because a lot of people think that they can just go and sit down and say, hey, I need a will or I need this done. But you need to go in with a certain direction so that people can give you the help that you actually need. So in an hour, I can just run you through the process. I give you some tools to get started. And whether you hire a professional or not, you have something that is legally sufficient when you finish to at least identify what your wishes are and to get you that initial moat around your assets. I love that. I love that. When you get the trust, you have it and maybe you update it accordingly and talk to the attorney in between here and there. But there always seems to be this disconnect between reality in the real space and time, things that you think about, things that you may want to change and things of that nature, and then the execution of actually doing it all. So when you talk about your money team, I totally get that to bring it all together. Tell us when your seminars. So I'm generally trying to do it at least once a month. And the date that I generally have set is the second Thursday of the month. I'm still a practicing attorney. So sometimes I have court, so I may have to move it, but I try to reserve the second Thursday of the month at noon central time. And one thing to just backing up a little bit, I tell people to treat the review of their estate plan like a wellness visit. Once a year, you may go get a physical, you get your blood pressure checked and they check your weight. Same thing with your money team. Minimally, whether you have a business or not, at least once a year, you need to have some sort of interface with your money team. And I recommend that you give these people permission to talk to each other. Because you'd be amazed at the efficiency and how much money you save if everybody's on the same page and they're working together 
with you on your personal stuff or in your business. That's great advice. Is it just a seminar? They go do the work and you give them tools and that's about it. Or how does your actual practice come into play or does it? This is the thing. So I'm a licensed attorney in the state of Mississippi. So I can give you legal advice in the state of Mississippi. I can draft your documents that are state specific and anything that you basically need. So as part of your money team, I would be your attorney if you chose Now, outside of the state or just anywhere in the world, as an asset protection coach, I function as the quarterback for your money team. I show you which plays to run. I get people together and I try to use it. Everybody should already have some of these individuals. So I try to use the people that you already have and I show them how to work together to get you what you need personally or in your business. As you present yourself to the market. What is your capacity to work with your clients? Say, for instance, someone did select you as their attorney to be part of their money team. What is your personal capacity or do you have capacity that is extended to others that work with you, that will work with your client? I am very scalable. What I do is, say, for instance, you come to the webinar. At the end of the webinar, there's an option to actually work with me. And everybody comes in a different cohort, depending on what month you actually come to the webinar. And just like we're on Zoom here, if you want to work in a group setting, then you're in the January cohort. That's infinite amount of people. So you're working towards the same thing. You have a curriculum that basically is standard, but everybody has individual needs. So there's some digital things that you'll have access to that will help you. And I'm available for questions. I have other professionals who may answer questions about things that I don't specialize in. So I do not give tax advice, but a lot of the things that I recommend have tax benefits. So I may have someone who will come in and tell you about tax stuff that you can do. And I really love working with tax professionals because if you have a good relationship with an accountant and an attorney, you'd be amazed at how you can really grow your business if they're working together. So in terms of the group setting, scaling is infinite. I don't do a lot of one-on-one. So if I were the quarterback for your money team, I have different teams that I work on, but they don't need me all the time. So I'm almost like a fractional for some of those companies. And I do that so that I am able to serve more people. Then I have good relationships with attorneys in other states. So I do a lot of referrals because if I'm really the visionary for you and your team, you don't necessarily need me. I'm giving you the vision for what you need to do and putting things together to help you be successful. A lot of people think, I want you, Cherie. I'm okay, but there are some great folks out there. Hopefully, The people that you already have that you're working with, I can make those people better for you. And that's the goal. But if you do want me, then we come in in cohorts. I tell people when you're looking for people to work with your taxes, you got to find someone who is either a tax preparer or a tax planner because a tax preparer is just looking in the rearview mirror, but a tax planner is looking forward. That's the person that's going to give you the advice. Sometimes That can be one person. It doesn't have to be more than one person. But then there are times that depending on how big your business is, you may want it to be a separate person because I love for somebody to catch something that this other person didn't catch. Oh, did you notice that you missed this? So the checks and balances is good sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Talk a little bit about your motivation behind your podcast. You're also a podcast host of Play Big Faster podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay, funny story. When I started the podcast, I started shortly after I actually hired my first business coach, which was after COVID. I was sitting at home 
I had nowhere to be. And I'm looking at TikTok. I'm looking at Facebook and all these people are dancing, making songs and just trying to find a way to make the world a happier place while all this bad stuff is happening all around us. So I hired my first business coach and he was basically like, write a book, get a podcast, do this, do that, do a challenge. I'm thinking this is a huge investment. So I'm just going to do whatever he tells me to do exactly like he says it, because I want the same success that he has. So I'm just doing everything he said do. And part of that was a podcast. Did not know what to do, was not very motivated. So for literally about nine months, it was just a chore. I was like, okay, I'm doing it because he said do it. Then about six months ago, I fell in love with it because I saw that it was a way to really help other people get their results faster. So the podcast is the Play Big Faster podcast. I try to bring somebody on a couple times a week and we talk about things that you can do right now in your business to improve it. So when you turn off an episode, there ought to be at least one thing you can implement in your business right now without spending any money. I tell the guests before they come on, I'm like, look, you got to give these people some tools and tips that they can use without spending money because some of my entrepreneurs are not, they're not profitable at some stages. So what can we do to help them and share information that's useful in their business? So that's how we started and that's where we are. I remember the startup days as well. I wrote a book and I launched a podcast. Constantly, like you said, you know, falling mm-hmm. in love with it. So I get where you're at with that. You know, if I had known that this was going to happen, I would have purchased some stock in Zoom and some of these other digital tools because literally before the pandemic, I may have been on Zoom 10 times ever. I had an account and it was the free account because I never used it, but the world has really shifted. Yeah, absolutely. And the podcast, of course, with YouTube, which extends the reach even more, I find myself listening to podcasts most of my, in fact, I started listening to podcasts, I believe it was about seven years ago. And it just changed my world, changed my life. I'd be driving into work and I'd be listening to the podcast. And then when I would get to work, I would pull my team together and share what I've heard and what I learned. Many of them actually had never listened to a podcast before. Now it's just become a part of my everyday life. In fact, now, instead of watching TV and taking the time to do that, I actually am so comfortable with listening that I'll go for a walk for an hour and just listen and walk and get my steps in. That's one of the big changes that I made over the last, I would say, several months is utilizing that time to do something other than just sit around and watch, but actually listen and learn. But you have to be comfortable with that part of it because some people are visual people. So the actual representation of this conversation is important to them. And that's okay. We can accomplish that on YouTube, right? What would you like to leave our audience with in terms of next steps or things that they could be thinking about or doing? To start now, sometimes we think that if we don't get started, one, we still have time. Two, that it's not costing us anything. So are you familiar with the term cost of inaction? So I try to put it in in a numerical format. Let's say that you're an entrepreneur and you have a business that's grossing $100,000 a year. There are certain things you can do in your business to improve your profitability that may take you to $500,000 a year. But for some reason, you're putting it off. Maybe you don't have that moat around your assets, so you don't have the time to work on these things to increase your profitability. It's not free. It's not status quo. It's costing you $400,000 a year not to do these things. So 
when faced with objections about why they don't have the time, the money, or the assets for an asset protection plan, I share with them this concept because every day that you're not executing on protecting your legacy is costing you something. So my final words, start today, start planning, and make it something that you do on an annual basis. Make it a priority like you do your health and your other checkups. Do your financial checkup. Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time. I really wanted to have you on as a guest at the early start of this year. Most people are thinking about goals, goal setting. Some are making resolutions in all different kinds of areas of their life. However, I thought that this would be so appropriate for our entrepreneurs and those who are thinking about the actual planning process to make this the great year. Lisa Nichols is now coining the phrase more in 24, wanting more of, and more could be money, it could be love. It could be understanding. It could be more richness in your life, more of hopefully what we needed to get in 2023 that we didn't or that we did and we just want more of it. So I'm just really all in. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you.